Conventions are a bittersweet fact of creation that gifts and haunts those who embark on a similar path. Laid out by those before us who had success, they offer a lifeline to future embarkees to continue onward. Every genre of film has them, and they help define what makes something successful. Those same things that aid us, however, can also hinder us at the same time, shackling us to the preconditioned norms and rules. For those looking to pursue something different, going against them feels daunting and stressful through the fear of failure. But if successful, provides a great sense of accomplishment, success, and relief. Today's film is about one of those embarkees, striving to make something innovative amidst time-tested conventions. An effort that proved successful and provided us with a modern classic. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me, that's a glass of bourbon from our friends at Buffalo Trace in Kentucky. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about the love of film. Welcome to Glazed Cinema. It's a term that, despite its contradictions, gets a lot of use, doesn't it? Whether you're talking about art, books, music, or movies, everyone has their own list of modern classics. What constitutes a modern classic, though? The one common thread, it seems, is to say, this matters, this is meaningful, this is going to be remembered. While there's one film in my mind is a modern classic that I feel deserves some special attention. It's a film which was made prior to the social media boom, changing our social fabric. A movie that stars an actor not normally billed for dramas, but who does an excellent job. A film where memories and hair color are entangled. A movie that made me want to find a frozen pond to lie down on and look up at the stars. Now let's face facts. The list of modern classics is long and growing longer by the week in film. There are some movies that also transcend the term as well. Movies so good that are undoubtedly destined to be classics. This harkens to films released in the past 20 years, such as There Will Be Blood, no Country for Old Men, 
Parasite and the White Ribbon. This is, at least in my opinion, where eternal sunshine of the spotless mind resides. It's a film that lives nicely within a trilogy of genres, including science fiction, romantic comedy, and drama. From director Michel Gondry. Gondry grew up in France and got his directing start in music, making music videos. The first videos he produced were for French bands, one of which was Wee Wee, who he was a drummer for. After much success, he eventually directed videos for artists like Bjork, Massive Attack, and The White Stripes. Personally, I was giddy to find that he directed so many of Bjork's music videos. I love Bjork's work and her music and always dug her videos. So it was really neat to find this connection in my research. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind surrounds a couple of Joel and Clementine, played by Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, respectively. The two cannot be any different from each other. Joel is introverted, shy, thoughtful, and purposeful whereas Clementine is extroverted, fun-loving, and impulsive. These differences also embody themselves physically as well. Joel usually dresses in muted and earthy tones, whereas Clementine wears bright colors and also dyes her hair in neon. Her hair color changes often throughout the movie, showcasing bright colors of blue, green, red, orange, and some others. When they're together, their contrasting natures balance each other out at the mildest and explode at their most extreme. It's during one of these extreme instances where Clementine's impulsive nature brings about actions that affect the both of them when she visits Lacuna Inc. Lacuna is a company that offers a service to wipe memories from your mind. Though these memories can be regarding a multitude of things, they seem to specialize in erasing the memories of people. After an argument and subsequent outburst with Joel, Clementine goes and signs a contract to erase Joel from her mind. A contract that will have consequences for them both, and sets Joel on a reactionary course to do the very same thing. Midway through the procedure, however, he realizes his folly and tries to preserve the memories of Clementine where he can. The film starts off with Jim Carrey's character of Joel waking up alone in his bedroom. He gets ready for work and then goes outside to his car to see a massive dent in the front driver's side with paint streaked across the door. He leaves a note on the car next to him that simply says, thanks. We next see Joel on a train platform outside. It's winter in New York City and the platform is packed with people wearing coats, hats, and gloves. While on the platform, he gets an irresistible urge to skip work 
and begins looking around. Soon, he's running across the platform and down the stairs. Joel, it seems, is heading to Montauk. He walks up on an empty beach, visits a large house, and wonders why he's even there. Why did he have this uncontrollable urge to come here? We next see him on an empty train platform with a sign reading Montauk. There on the same platform is a blue-haired woman, and when their eyes meet, Joel, a shy, reserved man, hides behind a column. The woman is Clementine, played by Kate Winslet, and she makes herself visible to Joel. This happens in various ways, like waving, peeking around corners, and just getting closer to him. Joel, who shyly hides into his shoulders. When they board the train, Clementine strikes up a conversation, and it seems that both of them are on their way back to the city. As they talk, it becomes quite clear that they are very opposites of each other. Joel is more reserved and shy, not really one to talk, as opposed to listen, while Clementine is more outgoing and brazen, almost afraid of silence. The story that slowly unfurls from here intertwines time with memory, love with heartbreak, and past with present. Eternal Sunshine is a romantic comedy that shatters all of the preconditions of the genre, leaving the shards of convention at the feet of innovation, reflecting what once was. Mixing science fiction and drama, we get a very unique play on what one would expect. Though I think it's fair to say that the director tries to dispel any preconceived notions in subtle ways. No more than his use of title. A title such as our subject today's certainly throws anyone off the scent upon contact and invites curiosity. The meaning of the title is referenced and quoted in a wonderful scene within the film itself, and comes from a poem named Eloisa and Abelard by Alexander Pope. The poem is about a 12th century philosopher and thinker, Peter Abelard, and his wife, Heloise. In real life, it's a tragic tale of love denied, and Pope used their tale as the influence for his poem. If you're not familiar with their story, it's worth doing the research to learn more. Pope's poem is a decent length, and within it can be found some fantastic writing. And throughout is the play on memory. There is one stanza, however, which the title of our subject comes from. And within it, also contains ties to the film's plot. If you've seen the film, perhaps you will also find common threads. I love the fact that I can see inspiration in these lines, and the final product of Gondry's imagination. The entire stanza is quite brilliant, and reads, 
How happy is the blameless Vestal's lot, the world forgetting by the world forgot, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, each prayer accepted and each wish resigned, labor and rest that equal periods keep, obedient slumbers that can wake and weep, desires composed, affections ever even, tears that delight and sighs that waft to heaven. Grace shines around her with serenest beams, and whispering angels prompt her golden dreams. For her, the unfading rose of Eden blooms, and wings of seraphs shed divine perfumes. For her, the spouse prepares the bridal ring. For her, white virgins hymnals sing. To sounds of heavenly harps, she dies away, and melts in visions of eternal day. Now, a lot can be taken from that. If you haven't seen the film, come back to these lines after viewing. I imagine you'll notice some similarities here, as I have. In this stanza alone, we can find a lot of things tying the poem and the movie together. Certain lines like obedient slumbers that can wake and weep, or to sounds of heavenly harps she dies away and melts in visions of eternal day. These remind me of the process of memory recall and deletion that we through Joel endure and how beautiful and painful those memories can be. The last few lines remind me of Clementine and how she is this sort of beacon throughout the film. As Joel sails the rocky and stormy waters of his memory, facing their relationship's past reality in the beacon's light. It's those initial three lines, though, that the film really plays on. The idea that forgetting is the needed cure. There were other inspirations for this film. Nothing is born out of one thing. But I love the connection between these two and can't help coming back to these lines. The screenplay was written by Charlie Kaufman, who had input from Gondry before the final result. If you're familiar with Kaufman's work, Eternal Sunshine definitely fits within his realm of creativity. For some reason, most of his screenplays are equally hard to nail down and describe but each are amazing in their own ways. Aside from our subject today, Kaufman also wrote the screenplays for films like Being John Malkovich and Adaptation. Throughout writing, the ending of the movie changed three times prior to settling on the one in the movie. Ultimately, the choice was the right decision and helps make it a memorable piece of art. Another thing that's memorable about this movie are the visual effects. The environment of Joel's mind presents a fragile veil between one memory and the next. A veil that can be cut, interwoven, and tangled to present an interesting visual dynamic. Almost every scene in this movie was shot using props, and almost nothing used CGI at a time when the practice was becoming commonplace in any sci-fi film. 
One thing I always loved about the film are those sequences when Clementine and Joel are navigating his memories in quick succession. I always wondered how they pulled that off. Well, during my research, I found out. Through the use of hidden, almost trap-like doors, they were able to shoot sequences like that where the actors could easily travel the sets and have the camera film at the same time. Such an ingenious idea that provided fantastic results. Another thing I like about this film is the music. The score was composed by John Bryan, and it plays off the visuals and feelings of the movie so well. I love the theme for this movie too, it's simple. I think there might be five instruments in the whole thing, all playing fairly sparsely. Despite that though, it's really catchy and provides this wonderful sense of whimsy and optimism in the notes and mysterious hollowness in its musical space. The whole score plays off that sort of atmosphere. Sometimes it's amped up, sometimes it's toned down, but regardless, there's a nice consistent nature to it all. I could talk about each part of this movie and why it's effective and brilliant, but I need to hold myself back at least a little bit. Of course, we can't talk about this movie without speaking of the performances. All of the major players do such a great job in this film and really embody their characters very well. Kate Winslet is perfectly suited as Clementine. Winslet is a highly skilled actress, and she really blossoms in this role, letting her skills showcase the character. She does everything effortlessly, and it all feels very natural, embodying Clementine's carefree, impulsive, and emotional traits exquisitely. Jim Carrey is perfect as Joel. When recommending this movie in the past to people, I get asked about how he does in a dramatic role. Carrie is wonderful as Joel, and I really can't think of anybody else who could have played this character with as much honesty and vulnerability. He plays the quiet, timid, gentle, and shy character masterfully. I was really impressed by his performance, and as an introvert, I could really relate to his character. These two have a great chemistry, and their performances piggybacking off of that is a delight to see. The supporting cast are great in this too, and I really liked the dynamic between Mark Ruffalo's down-to-earth character of Stan and Elijah Wood's annoyingly clingy character of Patrick. Kirsten Dunst is great here as well, playing the role of Mary. Mary's story in particular really struck me, and this is aided by Kirsten Dunst's portrayal of the character. Mary has a lot of ups and downs, showing the most emotional depth outside of Joel and Clementine. Kirsten does an extremely good job stealing scenes and capturing her range of emotions in the screen time that she has. 
These three help to tie us back down to Earth while we navigate the intangible ether that is Jules' mind. I remember when I first watched this film. I went in not knowing what to expect, and was very pleasantly surprised at what I got out of it. I was captured, as I usually am, by the cover art of this movie. It's minimalistic, but raises a lot of questions, particularly when combined with the ambiguous title. The cover features a picture of Jim Carrey from the bridge of his nose up as Joel, looking upward. Above his head are Clementine and Joel laying on a frozen body of water, looking at each other. When I saw it, the image struck me. I was drawn in, questioning what the plot was behind the picture. Then, upon reading the title, more questions entered my mind. Eternal sunshine. That's interesting. Of the spotless mind. What does that mean? After reading the synopsis and the cast, I resolved myself to needing to watch it. Upon first viewing, I was touched by the experience the film provided in its 108-minute duration. I had experienced a lot of emotions and felt invested in these characters' stories. This movie is a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I experienced emotions ranging from humor, sadness, and shock, the whole time being attentively absorbed in the unfurling plot. When it was over, I was enamored by what I had seen. It brought such a refreshing take on the romantic comedy, with a genre mashing, as it were. This film may take another watch to see things a little more clearly, as the story is fairly complex. But what a journey it provides. It's a journey I've gone on a few times ever since, and one I don't tire of. Between the plot, the performances, the cinematography, and the music, there's a lot of wonderful things happening here. If you're in the mood for something just a little different, something to entertain and keep you guessing, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a great movie to get lost in. If you'd like to watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for yourself, you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find it on Peacock. Peacock is a streaming service that offers numerous pricing options, including a free tier as well. Apart from Peacock, you can also find it on services like Prime Video, Vudu, Google Play, and Apple TV for $3.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin McLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There you'll find more info about the show and a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, 
The blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.